Rich Gomez from Startup Steroid and uh, Cosmo Grupp. I'm uh, pleased to welcome you to our interview process here on video at uh, Startup Steroid. So if you would please just introduce yourself and tell us just uh, in, a, in a few words, a few minutes for, uh, for the audience, what you are planning to do, what you'd like to do, and your background, please. Thanks, thanks, Rich. Um, so again, I'm Cosmo Grupp. I'm the CEO of Lifeair. I'm I'm a physicist by training, very hands-on. Um, I have developed everything from a transistor that's now in the iPhone. It's actually in here, and to a number of medical devices um, that have successfully developed and have been brought to market, um, including um, robotic surgical machines. Um, uh, catheters for brain surgery and uh, the world's most sensitive malaria diagnostic. Um, so back at the start of the pandemic, I, I took a look at ventilators to see how I could help. And I discovered this kind of mind boggling design flaw that it turns out that ventilators are never cleaned inside. You just can't actually clean the inside of a vent. So using a vent after someone else has used it is like sharing their, their mask. So you could actually get COVID from a ventilator. Oh my. And so this is also a huge problem for um, ventilator associated pneumonia. Um, it's well known that Acinetobacter and Pseudomonas live in ventilators. And, and this is a big part of how people get pneumonia in hospitals. And this costs wow. hospitals $12 billion a year. This is the unreimbursable amount. The, the FDA set a level years ago said, look, we're not going to pay hospitals to get people sick. So they cap the amount you get reimbursed for, and it costs $40,000 per patient to the hospital times 300,000 patients is $12 billion a year and 100,000 people a year die. So we took a look at this and said, I, I just have to fix this. This, this, this can't go on. Wow. Well, that's so. So the problem is then, and, and let's talk about that. The problem that you noticed, and what your solution is. So the problem clearly with ventilators. So let's kind of go with that idea, and then the solution that you've developed. Yeah. So so the problem is that patient air gets from one patient into the ventilator and can get blown into the next patient. Mm. And so so right now. And the way it works in a hospital is a trach tube is put down the throat and that gets thrown away. Then there's a tube, set of tubes from the patient to the, to the ventilator and that's called a patient circuit. That gets thrown away. And then air can get into the ventilator, but that part just stays in there. So actually when I first looked at ventilators and how they worked, I was kind of assuming that, well, this part must come out, right? Because I would think you can't so as well. <laughs> leave it in there. And I, I couldn't actually understand how, from the manual, how these things are supposed to work, because this made no sense. And then it turned out, well, that stuff just stays in there, and all the patient air stays in there. And so, so from my perspective, it was kind of obvious from the start that, that that has to just happen. And it's not easy. So it's non-trivial engineering to do that. And we had to do some pretty hardcore um, engineering to make it happen. But as one of our advisors who's a cardiologist said, he said, look, you know, if they had told ventilators 25 years ago that this is what they had to do, they, they would have done it, right. but it just hasn't been, been done. Um, I'm not entirely sure why. Um, 
and it's you might say, well, Cosmo, this is a little mind-boggling that like how could it be that that ventilators aren't cleaned? How can they live with this? And well, there's a couple answers. One is that filters are put in front of ventilators. So the idea is the filter is supposed to stop the bacteria. But study after study shows that filters have just have no effect. And it, it can, you can see that that you that uh, ventilators get colonized with bacteria after being put in a patient with pneumonia. And it, there's studies that study the filters and, the, and it shows the bacteria gets through the filters. So they, they just don't work. And so then you say, well, why do they keep doing it? Well, it's the best they can do. And you're in a hospital and you can say, look, okay, 10% of the people put on ventilators die of pneumonia, but that's not really the way the hospital looks at it. 90% of the people are saved. You don't have a choice. You have to put them on a ventilator, they're gonna die. There's no other option. And look, we save 90% of the people. We, it, doctors are not gods. We, we can't save everything, right? And if, but if there's no other tool, that's what you do. And you do the best procedures you can, the best practices. You, you tilt the patient up at a 45-degree angle. That seems to help. And you, you do what you can. And you, and, but so until now, we come along and say, well, you don't have to do that anymore. There's clearly a better way. And we're not going to solve the whole $12 billion problem, but it's probably a large vector that's a, that's a big part of it. So it sounds like you have a good solution. What's, what's your vision then to solve that problem? What are, you, what are you thinking about in terms of solutions and vision? Well, so, so we've built a machine. It's, so we build a whole ventilator. It's not a retrofit. It's not an add-on. We've redesigned the whole airway so that there's a, a unit that contains the whole airway and that unit is removable and disposable. Ah, okay. So as far as as far as uh, the the technicians are concerned, it it's, looks the same as any other ventilator. You've got in um, two ports that you attach your patient circuit to. You can attach the gas to the back of the machine, and everything is the same. The only difference is when you're done, click. You take the whole um, airway out, yes. Yes. open up a fresh one put it in, click, and in one minute, it's sterile. And you're good to go. It's clean, it's fresh, completely safe. Problem solved. Um, uh, Fred Meme is uh, the head of the ICU at Stanford. He's one of our advisors. And he said, he said, this just solves, he said, it just stops patient to patient transmission once and for all. Absolutely. Yes. It seems like a simple solution. (laughs) You're just done. You're just done. There's, there's, there's no more debate left about, about this. And we think it's kind of like letting the genie out of the bottle that once you see, Oh wait, wait, you can actually clean, remove the whole thing. And we've been doing it the other way. Now we just kind of have to do this. Right. That that sounds both industry and practice changing. It really does. It really does. So in that regard, what is your go-to-market strategy? So, so there's several steps to getting to market. Um, right now, we are at the stage where our prototype demonstrates all the technology. So it's, it's non-trivial. That's a physicist way of saying nearly impossible mm-hmm. to actually measure. You have to measure flow and pressure and do metering valve, valving of the air. But you can't, you can't actually touch the inside of the airway right. because right. then that would be a contaminated yeah. surface. Sure. sure. So you can't touch the inside. And you can't throw away sensors. That's too expensive. 
you can't even throw away a plug that medical grade plugs just blow the cost of the disposable. Very hard to do to, to meet the market needs. Sure, sure. So, so there's some really challenging engineering that we've done. And that was the heart heavy lifting from the engineering side to, to actually make a unit that's disposable. And we can measure everything we need to measure and control, control the flow. We've done that. So, and so we have a, we have a prototype that, that has an, a commercial test lung that, that's meant for developing ventilators and we can show we can do life support. The next step, there's two more steps to get to market. The next step is we develop a prototype that's a fully functioning ventilator. Mm-hmm. Right now, we've just got just a limited number of, of the functions that you have to do. Ventilators have sure. half a dozen modes. So we just need to integrate it into a machine that's more in a box and that does all the modes. And that prototype we call our engineering prototype. And we get data, we get, we can do some, we have a live animal test scheduled for us. It's actually a baboon um, at OHSU in Portland. Right. And we um, plan to use a high fidelity human simulator. That's the same device. It's, it's a $50,000 version of our, of our test lung. And that's actually what's used for certification of ventilators. You run it through its paces. We show it completely works. That's, that's a huge step in the data. Um, a lot of the angels we talked to, they're, they're waiting for that piece of data. And then um, that goes under in FDA terms, then it would be under design freeze. And um, then that's the device that we would take to market that we want to commercialize and bring to market. At that step, we work with a medical device design house who we're talking to and in four months, they build the actual machine. That's the actual right. full commercial machine. That commercial machine is what we take to the FDA. And we'll see, we'll see if the EUA is still, there's an emergency use authorization for ventilators and we don't know at this point how long that will last. We hope it'll still be there. Um, if not, then then we have to do a 510K. But um, there's so many um, predicates for, for ventilators. You don't have to show efficacy. You just have to show functionality. So we're hoping that the, the 510K should be pretty straightforward. I, either way, I, even if you do an EUA, when the emergency ends, you still have to do a 510K. Sure. It doesn't get you out of it. It just lets you sell it till the end of the emergency. So uh, in, a, in, in a quick summary, how, how does your solution work? What is the, the plan for that? How do you think that this can be deployed in the marketplace? Well, so there, right now we have two market strategies. One is we spoke to the minister in India who's in charge of buying ventilators for the whole country. Mm-hmm. Um, someone on my team, I've worked with him for years. His, his magic is I, I say, I need to talk to this person, anyone in the world, and he gets them on the phone. And so he was up at many hours, many nights at 3 a.m. trying to reach this guy. And we talked to him and he said, sure, when, when your machine is ready, call me. And he's buying in quantities about 10,000 at a time. And he had bought 70,000 at the time we talked to him for the country. Um, and so they have a lower price point. And that's, we've also driven the cost down largely by developing our own in-house sensors and valves. Sure. So, so we think we can hit a $3,000 um, price point, which is wow. kind of what India is looking for. And 
that's that's 10x lower than a base Medtronic oh, unit. Sure, sure. Yeah. And so, that would be then that'd be a $30 million order. So that, that would be a nice start. Um, on the US front, um, one of our, our guys, he's a, a medical device executive, um, Colin Bain, he, he um, talked to hospitals and US hospitals and tried to find out what their price point was, where they get excited. And um, they really got excited at a $12,000 um, price point for the vents. That's, that's a 50% savings for them. And yes. so, so again, um, I'd like to say that what's important is that um, a lot of the, the ventilators out there that, that I call YAVs or yet another ventilator, they, 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 they're not delivering right. what the hospitals need. What the hospitals need is a full, fully functional ventilator that's equivalent to a Medtronic or a Viair. And it does everything that you need to do. It can't be halfway there. Right. And so, so that's what our ventilator plans to do. So there are some ventilators out there I just looked at one today that that looks like it, it gets partway there and they're probably less than $25,000. I don't know how much less, but but their functionality isn't isn't everything you need. So hmm. a hospital is going to look and say, well, okay, you know, it might save us 10,000, but we need everything. Right. We need right. all, we got to do our checklist. The checklist, exactly. There's some bells and whistles that you, you, you don't need. Um, the difference between a $25,000 and a $50,000 ventilator I, I, I sent an email to, to Fred at Stanford and said, what's the difference? I can't figure out what the difference is because it seems that the patient gets the same thing. And he wrote back the difference between 25,000 and 50,000 ventilators, $25,000. <laughs> but sure. a, a lot of that is there's, there's things like you can look back at the patient history for a week, you know, and there's another $5,000. Right, right. But, so, but you have to do all the modes that a patient needs and you have to do that really well. So we're going to do that. So, so we're going to compete because we made, we can drive the cost down and still completely deliver, you know, a full touchscreen device that does everything you want. And the only difference is this thing is removable. So you get that too. So it's just a bonus and you save money. Sounds great. So, so in that regard, tell me about what you'd like to achieve in the next 12 months. What do you see? Well, we'd like to be on the market in nine months and we'd like to be good have, answer. <laughs> have some good contracts by 12 months. Sure. Sure. And then what about the longer term vision? 10 years, 12 years, 20 years. We, we won't be around. We won't be around that long. So at a, at a modest market growth, we could easily have a 4% market share. It's a 5 billion worldwide TAM, half mm-hmm. of that in India, half of that in the U S and Europe. Um, and but as someone pointed out to me, I said, "Well, well, a billion-dollar valuation in five years." And they said, "No, of course not, Cosmo. You'll get bought long before that." And I said, "Well, that's that's true. I know that from my experience. Right. That the sweet spot for acquisitions is is two hundred to four hundred million dollars. That's what medical device companies want. Um, they don't want to spend a billion. They don't want to spend 50, 50 million. Fifty million means they have too much risk still on the table, and a billion means they've overspent." So that could happen in, in, in three years at one and a half percent market penetration, we'd have 80 million in sales and at a, a Morningstar um, price to sales ratio of five, that's a $400 million valuation. Makes sense. We'd exit. Right. Yes. 
So what else can you tell me about life air? What in general, what other comments can an investor look at that, that makes it interesting, unique, valuable, uh, the, has the elements for success? What other things are there that you could share? Well, first of all, projects I've worked on have all been, they all work. They all do what they say they will do. Um, and part of that is that there's always gotchas that you hit and you, and you have to stick your landing. And I have the power under the hood to always make sure that, that we get through everything that we need to get through. We, the engineering engine just doesn't run out. We're going to, we, we make this thing work. So, so there's that, that the engineering side on, on the business side. Um, I, I just think it's a tremendous opportunity that has a huge pressure. So there are many things, every pitch says we have a big opportunity, but this one is so much pressure. There's, there's not just for COVID COVID's a huge pressure. And if we can get there in time, that's a big pressure. Um, but COVID's going to be around after the emergency. It's still going to be around. There's still going to be patients in the hospital with COVID for, forever. Mm-hmm. It's not going away. And so, so there's that pressure. And then there's, then there's the, the ventilator-associated pneumonia pressure that's always there. And everybody knows about this. And, and so I think sales come very, fairly fast because, again, it's, it's this kind of like letting the genie out of the bottle idea that once, once you see, well, you can do this, well, then there's just no going back. Right. You know, it's like opening the doors or a dam and you, you see, well, that's the way to go. You, you kind of just have to go this way. It becomes unignorable. So let me ask you then just um, a question that I would have then. What about these ma- mature products already in the marketplace? And once you introduce this with the removable um, air chamber, what is the, the obstacle to those manufacturers to quickly adapt their products so that they have that same feature set. What do you, what's your, what do you think about that? Well, so, so there's always, there's always two options. Um, usually I, I think you don't really adapt your products when you're buying a company, you might change the skin cause you might want it to look like it fits into your line, right. but there's, there's already a device. Why would you, you don't really need to change anything. And then big companies are of course very slow and so to, to begin to have that technology filter through your product line, that, that, takes, that takes five five years to do that. But right away, you're selling, you're selling devices. So it sounds like there's, a, there's that opportunity right now, both driven by, by COVID, the, the longer term uh, transmissible pneumonia in the hospitals and yeah. the the, the inertia that must be overcome for large firms to retool, design, et cetera, right. and then meet this feature set so that you could be defining a new standard that ultimately is addressed in the marketplace, but not immediately. That's right. So, so I, I think we'll have the first device. And then I, I, know, I know from direct um, context how long uh, large sure. companies take to change. And so it, it will propagate, but of course slowly. And we the um, we have we believe we can own the IP around the mm-hmm. whole disposable idea. There you that, go. That it's such a neglected area that they've just been kind of living with this, and 
there's there hasn't been a pressure to change until we show up and say, well, you can do it differently. That look, they're selling forty thousand ventilators a year. It's, it's, we're, they're just it's just fine. It's not a problem, and and most people survive. So it's, it's it somehow it just gets they're working on other things. Sure, um, sure. But but then we we so so this is not a heavily trodden ground. So. I feel kind of, you know, dumb, lucky that, that I looked at this and said, well, really there's, there's aren't a slew of patents around this. Yeah. It seems obvious that there should be, and, and there just, there just aren't. So if we can own that whole concept of, uh, uh, you know, claim one is uh, a, a unit wherein the airway is removable with a oh. limited number of ports that have no direct access pathways to the base unit. And I think that's the exciting <clears throat> opportunity for investors. Certainly, there's immediate value in the, in the marketability and the delivery of, of your concept. But, but that proprietary IP is what's very attractive because yeah. now you're going to, you, I mean, as a layperson, it just seems so simple and logical. I mean, and, and you said it earlier, it's just like, how could you not have done this? <laughs> and to have, and to well, have done that. Now, the story, it makes sense. But if you look at the, if you as a layperson, if I show you a picture of what it looks like inside a ventilator, a Medtronic ventilator, it's certainly not obvious that there's tubes going everywhere. And it's not obvious you can yep. condense all this and somehow have that part removable. Removable. That that's that's not clear. Yeah. Um, so you have to have a certain kind of perspective as an engineer to say, well, I I think I could do that. That's fabulous. Well, I think we're. Uh, you know, we've addressed all of the questions that I have. Um, I'd like to bring this to a close. Uh, I think you have a very exciting product. I, I'm very excited personally about the IP associated with all, all of that. And we, you know, we certainly as a group, you know, hope that you get all the resources you're seeking. Uh, we'll do everything we can to promote your product and get it out there and generate some interest. Thank so you. Cosmo, I want to thank you so much for your time today. And we look forward to staying in touch and seeing more of your products in the market. Thank you, Thank you so much. Likewise.